Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on the USDA June WASDE report. Also, we'll check in with federal conservative ag critic John Barlow. And up first in today's country comments, we'll chat with a cattle producer in the southeast and find out what impact all the rain is having on his operation. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Earlier this morning, I had a chance to catch up with Randy Kochuk. He's a cattle producer in southeastern Manitoba. I asked Randy how farmers in his area are dealing with all the rain they've been getting over the past week. We are actually in our arm of Piney. We neighbor the uh, arm of Stuartburn. And to get out of this area, we have to use the uh, arm of Stuartburn's roads to uh, get out to pick our mail up, pick up our groceries, and uh, pick our, our feed as well for livestock. It, uh, and uh, uh, we are seeing some roads being breached. Uh, roads are closed. Uh, uh, <clears throat> the Sundown Road South uh, Monday night uh, had washed out, and the RM came in there and has uh, replaced it. They've Believe, I believe that there is somebody on standby there just keeping a, a close eye on that uh, so that the water doesn't go over again. They put some rock down in there, and uh, it's uh, when I drive through there with my pickup, it's, you, you, you ha- it's not a level playing field. You just got to go slow, and uh, it is what it is, but we still have access in and out of this area, which we are uh, very fortunate for that. Now, in your area there, um, how much rain have you guys got, uh, you know, over the past week or so? In, in those four days, our calculations was just under five inches. And, uh, and I'm three miles away, I understand that they got eight inches on the first dump. And so I don't know what their total is right now. Uh, it is a lot of water. Um, one of the issues we're having is uh, there is really no outlet for this water to go when we have these high water events. For yourself as a, as a cattle producer, um, I, uh, talk about what impact this is having on your operation. Well, uh, we put in um, some of our forages. We're not expecting, uh, uh, we're, we're expecting a total loss on it. And I think it's still early enough that uh, we can be putting in some warm season grasses that uh, we will get back to it. It's, uh, the fertility is there. But uh, any of the uh, forages we planted is uh, is a total write-off there. Are there pastures that have been flooded, or, or how the how are the animals um, affected? We our pastures are fine in the low lower areas. Uh, the pastures are they have water in them, and the cattle are punching uh, holes because the ground is so soft. The issues there with the, with the forages, I, you know, if those are a are a write-off, what are the options then going forward? I think there's still enough time. Um, we're getting into the second week of June. We can plant in as uh, late as end of June. I think crop insurance, our deadline is uh, June 25th. I know we're another 15 days to that. It's, uh, I'm still being very hopeful we'll be able to uh, put something in into that ground that uh, we seeded earlier. As far as feed, um, are there concerns there that uh, a possible shortage or... It is too early to tell. It's, uh, uh, we don't know what the crystal ball future is. 
just we know the situation is now and we'll help our neighbors the best way we can to move forward to uh, make sure that uh, they are all comfortable and hopefully that there isn't any big losses. And uh, just from what you're seeing in the area there uh, for, for grain farmers, how, how are their crops uh, lo- uh, being affected? Uh, there is water sitting on their crops. Those roots um, uh, just can't take up that moisture and uh, those crops are going to die. That was Randy Kotchik. He's a cattle producer in the RM of Piney, giving us an update on the water situation in that area. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. This week, Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo said that based on the data she's seen, the cost of the carbon tax on grain drying is not significant enough to warrant any action. Federal Conservative Ag critic John Barlow questioned the minister on the numbers used. You say that the the cost of the carbon tax is about, you know, specifically for grain, grain drying, is about two to $800 a year, is, is grossly uh, misinformed. Um, I'm looking at a bill right now from a producer um, in northern Saskatchewan. It's $1,600 for a month. Uh, I've talked to another producer uh, in southern Alberta yesterday. His was $25,000 last year. He says Agriculture Canada and the minister need to be transparent on how they're coming to these numbers. And farmers are busy scouting their fields following some windy days over the past week. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. Those high winds have really uh, hurt and delayed in-crop herbicide applications, so spraying operations haven't been as timely as they would have liked to have been. In addition, uh, loose and dry topsoil from the previous week was readily picked up and moved off-site by those high winds. So we were seeing some significant wind damage in corn, soybeans, and some canola fields. The damage doesn't seem to be too severe in most locations, but there are occasional spots where reseeding might occur. Seeding in Manitoba is nearly complete. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Thursday, June 11th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from federal conservative ag critic John Barlow. The Standing Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food held their virtual meeting yesterday and had the opportunity to hear from and question Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. Glendalee Allen-Vossler had a chance to chat with the Vice Chair for the committee, Federal Conservative Ag Critic John Barlow. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo announcing this week that there's really not going to be any help coming for farmers regarding the carbon tax costs for grain drying. Your thoughts there? Well, I think the most uh, d- disturbing thing about her comments, um, and we questioned her again about this uh, at the committee yesterday, is how far off her numbers are. Uh, to say that the the cost of the carbon tax is about, you know, specifically for grain, grain drying, is about two to eight hundred dollars a year, is is grossly uh, misinformed. Um, I'm looking at a bill right now from a producer um, in northern Saskatchewan. It's sixteen hundred dollars for a month. Uh, I've talked to another producer uh, in uh, southern Alberta yesterday. His was $25,000 last year. So to say that this is, uh, you know, a minimal uh, cost to agriculture is is completely out of touch. And, I, I, you know, as we've asked her, you know, where is this data? How are you coming to this conclusion? And I, I think Agriculture Canada and the minister needs to be upfront and transparent on, on how they're coming to these numbers. 
The federal government, of course, over the last number of weeks have announced a number of programs to help various sectors deal with the impact of COVID-19. The agriculture sector seeing some of that funding. Can you tell me, is that money moving out at this point? I think it's a bit of a hodgepodge. Um, you, know, you know, a lot of these programs that have been re-announced for the most part, these are not uh, new new initiatives by any stretch, but uh, a lot of these programs have not been rolled out. Um, you know, whether it's the the $9 million for uh, jobs in the agriculture, 700 jobs in the agriculture sector, uh, that, you know, we, we've seen now the uh, the estimates in the, of the budget, that, that, that money's not in there. Um, you know, there's tens of millions of dollars missing that, that we can't uh, identify where it's where it's coming from. So, uh, you know, even to say now that farmers um, should be able to qualify for the emergency business account, what we're hearing from from farmers is, is they haven't been able to to access those those funds from their financial institutions. So, I think it, it maybe in somewhere some way areas there are um, funds being allocated, but for the most part, it's been. You know, here's the announcement, here's the great press coverage, but there's no follow-up. And when it comes to the actual hard work of, of governing and allocating and the logistics of these programs, that's where they have failed. The federal government did announce funding for the livestock sector. Can you bring us up to speed as far as what we're seeing happening, especially with with that funding? $55 million has not been allocated, but even the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Canadian Cattle Feeders Association said, you know, that the that $55 million is, is woefully inadequate. It, it would last about two weeks. Uh, when you see some feedlots, uh, their feed costs are more than $2 million in a month. Um, so you can see how fast that $55 million would uh, would last, but our our problem is, you know, at, at full capacity, let's take Cargill and High River as an example. At full capacity, they would be processing about four thousand head a day. They were closed for fourteen days, so we are, you know, the numbers now are ranged between one hundred and fifty thousand and two hundred thousand dollar or two hundred thousand head backlog. Um, now, even as the, those Cargill and JBS come back online, uh, they're at about sixty percent processing capacity. So. You know, they really aren't catching up. The most they could possibly be at would be about 80 or 85% capacity because of the uh, precautions they've had to take as a result of COVID. Slowing down the fabrication line, spreading out employees, putting up plexiglass barriers, things that they should do and had to do to keep their employees safe. I don't think anyone's arguing that. However, it is slowing down uh, the processing of cattle. And when the fall calf run hits uh, here in a couple of months, um, lots are full. There's going to be very uh, tight. Um, bo- there's going to be very tight bottlenecks in, in the in the food supply chain and the processing chain. And uh, there's been no uh, initiatives from the federal government to to address that as of yet. John Barlow is the federal conservative agriculture critic for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified beef production plus webinars take place every Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. 
Go to huntercourse.com to register. Keystone Ag Producers is offering a webinar on provincial and federal HR programs for farmers. June 16th, starting at noon, you can register on the CAP website. And another webinar entitled The Value of Peer Groups for Farmers takes place June 18th, starting at noon. Again, go to the CAP website to register. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, the USDA released its June WASDE report this morning. Jonathan Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. You know, I think probably for the most part, nothing, uh, nothing too dramatic in today's uh, today's report. Uh, you know, probably some of the biggest, uh, maybe the biggest changes, and even there weren't dramatic changes. There were some uh, some changes to the wheat balance sheet in the U.S. and and uh, again, nothing dramatic, but maybe just a couple of cumulative changes that made the the wheat balance sheet a little bit heavier in the U.S. than maybe the market was expecting. Uh, a little bit of a bigger production number, a little bit of a notch lower in old crop exports, and, and again, none of them on their own overly dramatic, dramatic, but uh, kind of cumulatively they sort of add a little bit to the to the wheat balance sheet, and so maybe just gives it a little bit of a heavier leaning. Um, probably with the with the corn and the soybeans again there too, pretty pretty modest tweaks. Uh, so you know, I would say probably if you wanted to kind of summarize the sentiment of the report. Uh, maybe I would say maybe not bearish for for corn and soybeans, which is is maybe different than bullish, but let's call it uh, you know reasonably neutralish with a with a slightly friendlier tone. Uh, but you know with with wheat having uh, having a little bit of a negative tone, and and you know so far in early trade the markets have kind of been reflecting that you know reasonably reasonably flat, uh, kind of right on the heels of the report for the. Uh, uh, for the the corn and soybean markets, but uh, but wheat is trading lower here in the immediate aftermath. What have we been seeing lately, as far as um, China and uh, their purchase of of uh, soybeans from the U.S.? Yeah, that's that's certainly one thing that has, has drawn some attention here. And in fact, uh, you know, some of those numbers show up a little bit here in today's report. And so, probably, I guess I would say to summarize it is that uh, Chinese purchases of U.S. soybeans have been maybe disappointing so far, at least in terms of, of kind of for, let's call it, old crop. Uh, they've been big buyers of soybeans, but predominantly from Brazil here in recent months. And, and Brazil has been exporting record large volumes here kind of through uh, uh, through the late winter and early spring. So, so at this point, uh, uh, Chinese purchases of U.S. soybeans have, have been definitely less than what the market was looking for. And Today's USDA report kind of reflected that by notching their uh, their old crop export estimate lower for soybeans. Now, uh, the numbers are looking better in terms of their commitments for new crop. So kind of as we look a little bit further in the calendar year, China has been buying more U.S. soybeans for uh, kind of for that, that fall period and, and going forward. So I think the outlook is a little bit better for some volumes as we, uh, as we look further ahead in the calendar year. So uh, there is an element of some seasonal dynamic in that in terms of which countries tend to kind of uh, sort of lead the export volumes at various times of the year. Uh, but, you know, given the various uh, political, political dynamics and everything else that's going on, certainly it's something that's been uh, maybe come under a little bit more of a microscope here over the last number of months. How are the uh, crops um, coming along in the U.S.? Uh, you know, I would say by and large uh, fairly well, you know, and that's another element in terms of just, you know, kind of today's report is, is on its own, not that dramatic, but kind of against the backdrop of, of, of crop conditions that really, for the most part, are, are pretty good in the U.S. Now, you know, again, it's it's very early. You know, there's areas of imperfection. There's been some concerns a little bit about, say, the southern plains and some of the winter wheat crop, but but by and large, not uh, uh, not too many significant concerns. 
And, uh, you know, again, for, so for example, today we're seeing a sharp pullback in energy markets and just sort of the broader financial market dynamics will have a bit of a spillover influence as well, uh, probably particularly in corn when you think about crude oil and ethanol and some of those links. So, you know, today's report is, is some interesting numbers in it, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, weather and, and some of the other outside financial markets probably uh, once we get past the immediate sort of trade in the in the short moments after the report uh, those other things will uh, will again be sort of the dominant drivers that was john drieger with the left field commodity research wrapping up this morning's usda june wasdi report another look at what's happening in the market heading into the close is coming up in just a moment Time now for another look at today's farm news. The USDA released its June WASDI report this morning. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. Nothing too dramatic in today's uh, today's report. Uh, you know, probably some of the biggest, uh, maybe the biggest changes, and even there weren't dramatic changes. There were some uh, some changes to the wheat balance sheet in the U.S. and and uh, again, nothing dramatic, but maybe just a couple of cumulative changes that made the the wheat balance sheet a little bit heavier in the U.S. than maybe the market was expecting. Uh, a, a little bit of a bigger production number, a little bit of a notch lower in old crop exports, and, and again, none of them on their own overly dramatic, but uh, kind of cumulatively, they sort of add a little bit to the to the wheat balance sheet, and so maybe just gives it a little bit of a heavier leaning. Drieger says Chinese purchases of U.S. soybeans has been disappointing so far, at least in terms of old crop. The federal government has announced a number of programs and funding to help various sectors deal with the impact of COVID-19. Federal conservative ag critic John Barlow says when it comes to the ag sector, a lot of that money still has not been rolled out. You know, whether it's the, the $9 million for uh, jobs in the agriculture, 700 jobs in the agriculture sector, uh, that, you know, we, we've seen now the uh, the estimates in the, of the budget, that, that, that money's not in there. Um, you know, there's tens of millions of dollars missing that, that we can't uh, identify where it's where it's coming from. So, uh, you know, even to say now that farmers should be able to qualify for the emergency business account, what we're hearing from farmers is, is they haven't been able to to access those those funds from their financial institution. He notes when it comes to allocating and the logistics of these programs, that's where the Liberals have failed. And seeding in Manitoba is nearly complete. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. The crops that are in the ground and are emerging are looking fairly well. There is certainly some damage from seed pipe fertilizer in a narrow trench where compacted sidewalls didn't allow root development to occur, as well as wet spots where, where the crop might have drowned out or, or had struggled to emerge. Those pounding rains from a week ago did cause some crusting in some areas where emerging crops were struggling to come through. However, cereal crops do tend to look better than oil seed crops, and, and they are Frey says there were crops in the southeast that were drowned out, noting fields that weren't planted yet will likely remain bare. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.